You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. It's good to see all of you this afternoon. My name is Eric Bonkowski, and I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. The summer before my ninth grade year of high school, my family moved from Atlanta, Georgia, to a town called Harvard, Massachusetts. And it was kind of a new start for me. It was a new school, uh, new friends, new me, right? Uh, It was going very well for the first six months. It was going great until the day that I called Matt Mercier a no-brained jock. I did this, I think, to impress a girl named Shelly Rattay, Um, but unfortunately, she then spread what I had said about Matt Mercier to Matt and this whole group of friends that I'd been a part of, and it was one of those, like, uh, it was one of those moments from a TV sitcom where, like, you're immediately dropped by all the friends. Like, the next day in school, they wouldn't even look me in the eye, didn't acknowledge my existence. Um, And so that meant that suddenly I became very lonely. Um, And in some ways, I trace to that uh, that day my um, interest in the topic of friendship. For obvious reasons and if you if you're doubting whether or not I have an interest in friendship you can ask this um, men's Bible study that I'm a part of because pretty much every week when we get together we talk about friendship in one way or the other but I don't think it's just me I think we all carry our own stories and our own traumas around friendship kind of the good the bad and the ugly and the reason for that is because it's hardwired into us we are quite simply made for friendship. It's, it's part of God's design of us as humans, and so it's something that we feel very intensely. Again, whether it's good or bad or indifferent. Um, I want to talk today some more about friendship, and specifically in the context of this sermon series that we've been doing this fall. We've been talking about how we're sent out as Christians and as a church. And today I'm going to talk about how we're sent out in friendship. It's one of the primary ways that we're sent out. And throughout this series, we've been connecting how we are sent out to the story of the Bible itself. And what I want to offer to you is that the the story of the Bible is really a story of friendship. And if we have eyes to see, if we're able to peel back some of the layers of the various stories in the Bible, what we'll find there often is a story about friendship. And and today, we're specifically going to look at the story of Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well. And for many of you, this will be a familiar story, but you may not have read it through the eyes of friendship before. But it's really a story of friendship. Um, We're not going to read the whole story. It's long. You'll find it in John 4, and you're welcome to read through the whole thing later tonight or this week. But let me set the stage, because um, it begins with Jesus at a well in Samaria, and he meets a woman who comes to that well at midday with a bucket. And 
what we learn, even from that much, right? John's enough of, a, of an author, a writer, and, and we should be bright enough as readers to recognize the metaphor that that bucket is, right? She comes with an empty bucket that represents her empty life in some ways, and she's coming to a well to get water. She's thirsty. And yes, there's the physical thirst, but underneath that is her thirst for friendship. And we know that, we, we find out a little bit more about this woman as the story goes by because we discover that she's a Samaritan and Samaritans wouldn't be talking to Jewish men like Jesus. She's kind of a, a racial outcast in that way. But significantly, she's also coming to this well at midday. And that's just not the time that you would go to the well. You would go to the well very early in the morning before it got hot outside. And so that you'd have water to do everything you needed throughout the day. Why is she going to the well at noon? To avoid everybody else. Right? Because this woman has been hurt relationally in the past. We're introduced to her. As we come to know her, we realize she doesn't have friends. And as the story goes on, we begin to understand why. Because Jesus asks these probing questions and he discovers that this is a woman who's had four husbands. She has a, a history, a long history of broken relationships. And she confesses or Jesus uh, says to her, and the man that you're with now is not your husband, is he? Right? And, and so we're, we're given this portrait of this woman that she's struggled with relationships, she's struggled with friendships, she's hiding from the rest of the town. And probably, as we begin to understand what she's like, we can say, oh yeah, I identify with that. I get that thirst. I get that shame. I understand that sort of insecurity. But, and there's a great but, she meets Jesus, and everything changes. Her life is transformed by Jesus, and her friendships are transformed by Jesus. She walks to the well that morning, ashamed and insecure and thirsty for friendship, and she walks away from that well that afternoon, secure that Jesus is her friend. So let me read now a few of the verses from this passage. Again, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read two sections. I'm going to read verses 27 through 30, and then I'm going to jump down and read verses 39 through 42. Here's what it says. This is God's word for us this afternoon. Just then, his disciples, that's Jesus' disciples, came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. And then in verse 39, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. 
This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge to you this afternoon that we've all walked into this space with our own insecurities about whether we belong, about whether we fit, whether we'll say the right things or do the right things. We just want to acknowledge that to you. And we ask that through your word now, we would encounter Christ and be transformed the way that this woman was. Father, may we find in him the security and the friendship that our hearts are dying for and that we were created for. We pray that you would do this for our good and for the glory of your name. Amen. There are many different places we could go to establish the fact that we're living in the midst of a crisis of friendship right now. Um, Probably you've heard people talking about how we are in the midst of a loneliness epidemic. Maybe you have felt that yourself as well. Uh, One uh, small example of that would be that in the last 30 years, there has been a fourfold increase in the number of people who would say they have no close friends. Now, I hope that's not true of you. I hope that you would uh, be able to identify at least one close friend that you have. But I think this question of loneliness is something that many of us can identify with. It's widespread. It's rampant. We all feel this, this insecurity around our friendships. And there's been a proliferation as well of articles and podcasts and books that are offering techniques and tricks and life hacks in order to better our friendships. There was one of these articles just last week in the New York Times, and I shared it with our staff on Monday uh, as I was thinking about this passage. It's a, it's a good article. It's by a woman who's written a book about how to uh, have friendships. It's called how to, how to Make and Keep Friendships as adults, right? This particular problem that many of us encounter as adults when we're out of high school, out of college, and how do I find and keep good, meaningful friendships? It's got some good ideas in it. And as I was reading through this article, I'm going to share some of her specific ideas with you today. I realized that uh, there's great wisdom often in, in secular writing and secular ideas, but the gospel gives us something better. And so today, I want to affirm some of what this woman writes. I want to say yes to it. And I want to point you to a truer yes, to something that's deeper and greater than what the New York Times article reveals. And that's what we find in the gospel. That's what we find in Jesus. You see, every human is longing for it. But it's only the gospel of Jesus Christ that leads us to what our hearts really want. So one of the things that she talks about in this article, she talks about the acceptance prophecy. Let me explain what that means. The acceptance prophecy is the idea that you should assume that people like you. When you're walking into a room or going to meet some new people, assume that they like you. Because if you assume that they're going to like you, it's kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy. You end up being more confident, you end up being warmer, and it turns out people will like you more. So there's your, there's your life hack for friendship today. Assume that people will like you. That's good insofar as it goes. But friends, the gospel is so much better. You see, Jesus doesn't come to offer us life hacks. Jesus comes to offer us life. 
He is Messiah. He is our Savior. And, and so there's a huge difference, I want you to understand, between assume that people like you and what the gospel says. Know that Jesus loves you. Do you see the difference? One is a mindset where you're kind of tricking yourself and saying, okay, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, people are going to like me today. And the gospel is not a mindset, it is a truth spoken over you. Your Father in heaven loves you. And that gives you security. And that, in turn, will change your friendships. And the Bible, again and again, right? The, the Bible is a story of friendship. I said that earlier. And primarily, it's a story of God's friendship with you, that God calls you friend. And almost on every page, we can find different words where God is saying that message to us. I love you. You are my friend. He, uh, Jesus uh, says at one point to his disciples, no longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. It's explicit there. We also know Paul talks about once we are enemies, but Christ died for us, and now we are God's children. He brings us in. He's communicating his love to us. So it's not assume that people lo like you, it's know that the Father loves you. My wife, as some of you know, teaches uh, two-year-olds at a preschool nearby. And she was telling me this week that, you know, after one of those days where the, most of the two-year-olds were crying for the three hours that they're in her classroom and they're kind of all over the place and they're not listening and it felt like a total mess, she said, but I played a song for them. It's a Christian song. And its chorus says, fear not, for I am with you. I have redeemed you and called you by name. It's straight out of Isaiah 41. And she said, whatever else happened today, those kids heard the truth. Fear not, for I am with you. I have redeemed you and called you by name. That's the truth of the gospel. That's the truth that Jesus communicated to this woman who walked to the well insecure and scared and ashamed and walked away secure that she had found a friend in Jesus. You see, the security of the, of the gospel, that is friendship with Jesus, is what sends us out in friendship. That's the simple message today. The security of the gospel, friendship with Jesus, sends us out in friendship towards others. There's this stunning verse that I read in verse 28. It says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, she left her water jar. Her whole reason that day for going to the well was to fill up her water jar, but her interaction with Jesus made her leave her jar there. She didn't need it anymore because she'd found something better. One commentator says that she went uh, looking for water and she left having found the well. Jesus, who became a well of life springing up from her. The security of knowing Jesus as a friend sent her back to her town. You know, I've said before from this very place, encouraging you along these lines of connection and friendship, I've said, well, if you need a friend, be a friend. And that's kind of that secular wisdom, conventional wisdom, and to a certain extent it's true, but the gospel is far better. 
And I repent of the ways that I have said, need a friend, be a friend in an unloving way because what the gospel says is Jesus is your friend, so be a friend. You see the difference? You see the power? You have been befriended by Jesus. That's what allows you to be a friend to others. Well, how? What does friendship look like? This passage, this woman shows us at least three ways that we can move out, we can be sent out in friendship. The first is initiation. Or to put it differently, it would be to make the first move. Make the first move. This woman, in verse 29, right, she leaves her water jar, she goes back into town, and she says to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. And remember who this woman was. This is the woman who who went to the well at midday because she didn't want to be seen by anyone. This is the woman who was whispered about in town because she had this string of husbands and the man she was with now is not her husband. She goes to them. She starts the conversation. She has been so transformed by the security of friendship with Jesus that she is able to initiate, to make the first move. This New York Times article, it also says, we'll make the first move in a relationship. And sometimes you need to make the second move too. And the third move as well. That's what friendship looks like. She also says in this article, she gives this advice, and this is good advice again insofar as it goes. She says, um, as you're initiating with people, tell them that you like them. That's a good life hack, right? Tell people that you like them. That's going to make them more likely to be your friend and respond positively to you. The gospel is better, though. Because in the gospel, we don't get to tell people that we like them. We get to tell people that God likes them. And there's a world of difference. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. God has endowed you with incredible gifts. And I see them in you. That's gospel initiation. You make the first move by assigning value and dignity, by speaking grace over another person. What does this look like practically? Well, in our staff meeting, we we talked about how simple it can be, how, how straightforward it can be. Send a text this week to someone and tell them that you like them, or better still, tell them that God loves them. And remind them of their God-given dignity that you see manifesting in their life. Or write them a card. The post office will still deliver like handwritten mail. You can do that. Initiate. And then initiate again. Out of the security that you are loved by God. You know, sometimes we, we have the idea to do that and then we don't follow through. Jennifer in our staff meeting said that that idea, that's a prompt of the Holy Spirit. Listen to it. She's absolutely right. Initiate as the Spirit leads you. So that's the first thing, initiation. The second characteristic of friendship that we learn from this woman, I think, is consistency. Make the first move and then stay by their side. Be consistent. Again, I want to underscore that Jesus sends this woman back to her town where she lives. And and what we see is over the course of two or three days or maybe a week. But we ought to understand that she stayed in this town for years, 
maybe decades. And she would have kept telling them about that fateful day when she met the well of life at the well, where she went to the well thirsty but came back full, where she went to the well insecure but came back secure that she was a friend of God. Again, the New York Times article talks about something called mere exposure effect. And what the mere exposure effect is, this is intuitive to all of us, is that um, we develop friendships simply by being exposed over time repeatedly to the same people. You keep showing up at your office and over time you develop some level of friendship with your coworkers. The mere exposure effect. She says in the article, it's better, rather than going to a, a book reading one time, join a book club. It's going to be more effective for you to have that consistency over time. You know another great example of it? Church. That's what we're doing, right? We show up in the same place every Sunday at, the, at 4 o'clock. And there's something that happens. Even if you don't have a conversation with everyone, you've been in the room with them. Or your city group where you show up week after week. And it feels awkward and it feels uncomfortable. But then you look back six months or three years later and you say, these people are my friends. The mere exposure effect. Of course, this is something we can say yes to. to the Yes to the secular wisdom. The gospel is greater still. Because in the gospel... It's not just that we show up regularly and we're with God. It's that God promises us, I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. You see, that's the greater and truer exposure effect. That the Spirit of God himself lives within us. That we are united to Christ by faith eternally. Consistency. You know, it's not uncommon that we as staff of the church hear from people and they say, I just don't feel connected. And I get that. We all feel that. We all feel that level of insecurity. But if you're saying that and you're not showing up regularly, that's on you. Exposure effect. Consistency. Sometimes we say, and this is another defeater that we'll use, is we'll say, well, I just don't have time to show up at worship, to show up at city group, to show up consistently in a friendship with another person. And if that's true of you, I just encourage you to do an audit of your life of where are you showing up regularly. Because for most of us, we, are, we still manage to find time to uh, scroll through our phones for social media. Right, it, I, you know that Apple sends you that weekly like usage report. That is mo the most shaming moment of my week. <laughs> it's just like this great reminder of how I have failed to be consistent with the people that I love, and instead I've been consistent with my phone. This woman was consistent and faithful over time so initiation consistency the third thing that i think we learned from this woman is vulnerability 
she shares her story. Make the first move, stay by their side, and share your story. You see, what the woman discovers in Jesus, Jesus as her friend, this security leads her into a wonderful, I might add, very rare vulnerability. It says in verse 39, He told me all that I ever did. And that's really a a repeat of verse 29. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Why does John repeat that? Well, he repeats it. He highlights it. He, He wants us to know that that was a secret to this woman's message. Complete vulnerability. All that I ever did. The stories of all four of those men that I'd been with. The story of my shame, the story of my brokenness, the story of me hiding in the shadows so that people wouldn't see me. He knew it all. And I'm so secure now in my relationship with him that I can tell you about it too. Friends, meaningful friendships are formed through vulnerability. Much more so even than affinity shared experiences you ever had a a, a friendship you ever been in a relationship where it, it, it goes to that deeper level because someone takes a risk of kind of cracking open their rib cage and saying I'm a mess or of sitting on your kitchen floor weeping and it's hard and it's awkward but you know in that moment the friendship has just become real Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Because what that's communicating is Jesus knew everything about me. He knew all my junk and he didn't leave. He's still there. And when we do that with other people, we're communicating the same thing. It's vulnerability. It's the key to friendship. You know, I've had a number of friendships in my life that were built on um, being funny, being smart, being good at some shared activity. And those are good for a while. But friendships built on that will burn you out. They'll exhaust you. Because you got to keep it going. But friendships built on vulnerability, those are the ones that last. Because suddenly they're not about you, they're about Jesus. They're about the man who knows everything about you and stays by your side. You know, I shared that story about Matt Mercier from my ninth grade year. And it was a terrible thing to say. But it's what led me to know Jesus. Because when I was all alone, without a friend, some people who knew Jesus came and they put their arm around me. And they accepted me. And they were consistent in my life. 
and they said, let us tell you about a friend named Jesus. And then what happened for me was I thought, okay, I figured out friendship. I'll take this and I'll become the best friend. And, and I'll surround myself with uh, other people who are impressive and funny and smart. And that for a while became my identity. I'm better at friendship than everyone else. I've got it figured out. But it was still all about me. You see, I'm still learning about friendship. And what I'm coming to understand about friendship is that it's got to flow out of Jesus' friendship with us. It's not something we do. It's not something we gin up on our own. It's a gift that God gives us. And only when we are secure in the love of Christ can we move out and befriend other people. Otherwise, it will constantly be this, uh, this vicious circle where we're pursuing friendships with others, ultimately in a way to establish our own security. Is that true for you? It is for me. But insofar as I believe that God is my friend through the work of Jesus Christ, then I can cross boundaries I can walk across a sanctuary, or I can walk across the street, or I can walk across the city. And I can pursue people. I can initiate with people and be consistent with people and be vulnerable with people, not because it's going to give me something, but because it's going to offer them something. You see, we are sent out from friendship, in friendship, and for friendship. I think if we uh, allow this truth to sit inside us, it will utterly change our relationships. And I hope that you'll do that. We have an opportunity on Saturday to live this out. The harvest party. And we talk about it, we've been talking about it for months here at City Church. And maybe you've invited a friend to come. I hope you have. But you still have time. And based on what I've talked about today, maybe someone completely different has come to your mind. Maybe there's someone that you could initiate with and be consistent with and be vulnerable with this week over the next six days. That if they show up at Park and Meadow Farm, they don't do anything for you. They don't make you look better, cooler. They don't help your cred at all. In fact, it might even be awkward hanging out with them there. But you don't care because you are secure in the friendship of Jesus. That's how we're sent out. The world is full of lonely people. And wonder of wonders, God uses our friendships to draw people into friendship with him. He invites you and me to be a part of that.
That's glorious. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, I thank you for the faithful witness of this woman. The first evangelist in the Gospel of John. This woman who left her water jar because she'd found something so much better. I pray that you would work in our hearts today to assure us that in the gospel we are loved, we are accepted, we are secure. And then out of that security that we would spend ourselves in friendship with others so that they, could, they too could know the wonder of your grace and love. We pray this all through Jesus' name. Amen.